0: Of the corn with Zach Santee, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com, and the Zone app. Now, hear your hosts, Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Whoa,
1: I think I just figured something out, Beavis. Uh, what? Uh, this sucks. Uh, yeah, uh, it really sucks. Uh, this sucks more than anything that has ever sucked before.
2: The doors are open. The hymnals are in the pews. Welcome into the Church of the Corn folks. We are brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing here on 1620 The Zone. Members of the congregation, you may be seated. Fitz here, joined by Drake and Zach. Phone calls are always welcome at 402-951-1620. And you can also join the conversation at Corn Church, P-D-C-S-T, Corn Church Podcast on Twitter to discuss anything we are talking about this morning. Not quite sure how we went back in time to about 1992 with our opening clip, but here we are. Shut up, That's because we suck again. I mean, that's probably not good for ratings to say our own show sucks, so I'm going to steer clear of that. I was specifically talking about the team. Oh. (laughs) Not us okay so we're awesome out of sight out of mind that is our fearless leader conrad with With a k K. steering this uh ship today uh oh no
1: we suck again
2: found our theme for the day zach how are you doing today oh what's up boys i'm
3: fabulous (laughs) i'll be here for like 20 30 minutes so figure to hang out with you guys while i can
2: Welcome back. Well, the way we've started today, this already feels like the Titanic episode two. Well, there's so many connections to a lot of what we're going to talk about. So we're just gonna we're just gonna rearrange some deck chairs and and see if we can survive for two hours. <laughs> Is there room on the door today, Rose? <laughs> All right. So here's the bulletin for today's service of Church of the Corn. We're going to start with news of the day. Uh, we're going to head into. Um, A little section we like to say, thank God it's a bye week. And then we're going to talk about the Oscar season thus far. Um, We're going to get into three candidates we're interested in. Looking forward to that. Uh, Breakdown, Trev Alberts as AD so far uh, at Nebraska. We're going to discuss uh, a Twitter poll that Drake threw out this week and kind of break down that. Best games for the day. We're going to talk recruiting with Brian Munson, and then we'll try to hit the offering at the end of the show. Shall we get started, boys? Let's get at her. All right, then. Thanks, Drake. Good stuff. So, news
4: (laughs) of the day. I'm just laughing at Zach in the in the uh, sitting over at the child's table.
2: (laughs) Zach, just to paint just to paint the picture, we've we've kind of just switched some seats in the studio here, and he. it's it's he's like he's sitting at the at, card the, chi- table at the at the at thanksgiving table at thanksgiving yeah yeah so. if we could
3: just uh keep on moving with this this would be great let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep the show moving boys
2: all right news of the
4: day uh aaron judge has hit 60 home runs this season chasing roger Maris for the it, it, both the american league record and the franchise record of 61 set by roger Maris in 1961 Judge one of the largest players in baseball history at six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-two pounds. I don't know why we're giving measurements here. Fitz has played his entire career in the, it, with the Yankees.
2: Yes, the reason we're giving measurements is where does the talk seem to always want to go with him? <laughs> uh, if you're going to say how big he is, then <laughs> this is getting really weird. What what has what has been the dark cloud over the home run? Chases in the last thirty I've, years. I've never heard anybody say anything about Aaron Judge and steroids. Really, I have never heard. Wish it. he
3: was on steroids, he'd be hitting eighty home runs right now.
2: There's no, there's no questions. People don't wonder. I, I have never heard it. I'm not saying that there, there might not be. I just haven't heard it. Okay, okay. Is it, it? I mean, it, he's the one. He's one of the biggest baseball players to ever play the game. Yeah, So it's kind of unique, right? It's different. The well, Giants just rolled out a 6 foot 11 pitcher this year. How are the Giants doing this year? <laughs> That's why they pulled out a 6 foot
4: 11 pitcher. All right. Uh but going in baseball as well last night, we talked about this a little bit off air this morning. Albert Pujols, congratulations. First play first and only player in the 700 club to hit both 699 and 700 in the same game. Uh I'm glad that he he got to that 700. I didn't want the debate on whether or not he'd come back or not. To, to happen even though he said he wouldn't come back if he ended at 699 pools has had an outstanding career very happy for him how old is he uh i think according to his i am 12 birth certificate he'd submitted when he got drafted uh i think i think his age according to major league baseball is like 40 41 ish but there is a rumor around pool from some major league teams and executives that he is at least 5 years older than what everybody thought he was. So he's in the Brady area potentially.
2: Interesting. Interesting. E- except
4: for nobody knows for certain. That's the problem.
2: Is this his last is this his last hurrah? Does yeah, he, he said again? he was retiring no so matter what.
4: And according to the internet and what he ha- has given official baseball teams, he's 42 years old. I think he
2: might be closer to 47. Still an accomplishment. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Outstanding career for Poolholes. Very cool. All right. Moving moving on, NCAA this week placed LSU's football program on one year probation and issued a three year show cause against a former assistant coach who says who it says admitted to meeting with a prospect and giving him gear during a COVID nineteen recruiting dead period. So a little bit of the backstory here that as you as it said in the lead there. The coach is no longer with the team. The university was actually in uh, litigation uh, with this, and this ruling may help their cause. But he was, had spoken with a recruit's uh, mom, and she was going to move. Uh, if he signed and committed to LSU, she was going to move there. So, And it ha- so happened to be in the same neighborhood as this coach, so he just went outside and was going to welcome, gave a couple sweatshirts, the big issue was, according to the NCAA, and rightfully so, they said, yes, there are there have been bigger issues. But in that moment of time, trying to maintain the health, uh, security, uh, wellness of the players, um, meeting in person, doing that stuff, really, um, especially in the fairness of making sure that everyone was, again, following the rules, which is sometimes ironic when you talk about NCAA and recruiting. Um, is this a big deal? Does this... Impact LSU this season, do you really care? Zach I'll let you hit it. Um it's not
3: gonna help them develop a passing game. So no, I don't think it's much much to do about nothing, in honesty.
2: We've we've seen the NCAA of recent action with recent actions coming down a little bit kind of not quicker of any means, but um, more decisive or decisive, um, which is I guess the only good thing about that is the fact that it it's starting to lead into more reform in terms of how they are looking at some of these infractions,
4: yeah, I mean, wh- I kind of sit in this with why does it why does it matter for lSU? I don't think the NCAA should be going back in time to you know, kind of turn, turn things off on programs. They may have been cheating at that, that time and era, but with how we've changed things with recruiting, I don't think it should matter. Also, I don't think it matters what the NCAA does. Uh, I think Brian Kelly is going to be on a short lease at leash at LSU. I'm on record saying that people from that area are going to see right through him. He had a recruiting advantage at Notre Dame where Kids who wanted to play at Notre Dame were going to Notre Dame. It didn't matter who the coach was. Down at LSU, he has to win families and players over. And I think his... Family. Yeah, exactly. I think his 24-hour Southern accent built in is going to hurt him more than anything down there.
2: Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Show cause penalties. There were some fines levied. Um, I do appreciate that the NCAA is not taking out on these players, right, on this staff for something that someone else did, the malfeasance of a former coach. And that's something I've always found
4: interesting from the NCAA. Like, I, I'm trying to think of the last coach that that really got hit hard. I mean, we can go back to Ohio State and Jim Trestle, right? Jim Trestle steps down amid those allegations, and it's several years later, uh, and they're penalizing those new players. Yeah. And that's not fair to them.
3: Well, that's one of the problems. Is these penalties usually take so long to get to these teams that usually the people that are directly involved with it or or that were in charge of the situation usually aren't hit with those penalties. That because would be it's like two down the road, or at least one coach down the road. Usually,
2: that would be like if you if your five year old son got in trouble and you were going to punish him, but you just took it out on the the newborn that was going to be there in four months. It right, just, it's like waiting. Oh, by the way, as soon as you turn two and you're eligible to go out and play a little bit uh, you're going to be grounded. Yeah. Has
4: it's always made zero sense. The NCAA as a whole makes zero sense. I mean, we can go back to Scott Frost first year at Nebraska when it took them until week four to approve Noah Vedrill to be eligible, but Justin
2: Fields was eligible immediately. Picking and choosing. All right. On our last news of the day, um, Important around here, Nebraska coach Mickey Joseph reportedly agreed to a restructured contract as the Cornhuskers' interim coach after the program recently fired Scott Frost. Um, the Joseph accepted the restructured contract with assurances that he would be retained if there was a head coach staffing change. Um, as associate head coach, he was wide receivers coach, so he's go- also going to also going to get. A thirty-three thousand three hundred and fifty dollars stipend on top of his six hundred thousand yearly salary. Now there, no, that thirty-three is per month. Per month, yes. My apologies. Yeah. That, that does make a big difference. Yes, it does. Per month, an extra thirty-three thousand three hundred fifty per month on top of that. Uh, plus, there's some other uh, incentives rolled in. Um, for example, and I'm gonna do this with the straightest of faces and no laughing, uh winning the Big Ten West would give him an extra hundred thousand dollars. It's basically all all of the same bonus structure Scott had was was my understanding. With a more realistic
4: chance to get it or
3: <laughs> Oh yeah, a much more realistic chance to get it now.
4: Um long here's here's my question for you guys. Where do you stand on Mickey being automatically retained?
2: I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Now if you start Trev starts talking to coaches and he gets a sense or a feel that that wouldn't work. But I think Joseph's resume, I think his qualities on the recruiting trail, his connections, especially in Louisiana and the South, I think it's somebody plus I believe he could be the glue that keeps some of those players connected and, and at Lincoln.
4: Zach? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, usually you don't have a full st- staff transition where you don't have at least one or two holdovers from the previous staff to keep that continuity between your staffs. Mickey would be the guy that I would absolutely love to be there because he's got the connections. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire team respects him. And and the message that he brings is constant daily, and you're seeing the team growing and learning from that. It's it's hard to step into the position that he was put into and be successful. I really think that he's got to show growth yearly or you know weekly to to be successful in his position. I feel like he's the guy that's got to be retained. I, I love that that was put into the deal. He's he's a key part of whatever's going to be happening going forward.
4: Yeah, selfishly, I I like it because I don't want Mickey to leave, but I'm also just on a realistic side I'm not a total fan of telling whoever the new coach is that he has to keep certain people. You want him to keep people, but you know, who who's to say Mickey would would maybe not fit fit or not fit the next staff that comes in.
2: Well, we're going to find out about who might who some of those new staff coaches might be. When we come back from paying some bills, we're going to talk about three coaching candidates, one each that we are interested in and determine if we think they will keep Mickey Joseph. We'll be right back.
3: well what's going on everybody zach from church of the corn here just doing a another commercial for manscaped fabulous products for males as well as females so don't worry ladies you're included here uh, a couple of things i just recently purchased from them were the body wash and the deodorant body wash fabulous um smells great got a lotion after after to it which is Awesome. And then the deodorant smells great as well. It smells like you're putting on cologne and lasts all day. Uh, from someone that sweats a lot, it is phenomenal. Uh, don't forget, the lawnmower 4.0 is absolutely awesome as well. Um, the Weed Whacker for the nose trimming is great. It, Manscaped has plenty of great products. So do yourself a favor. Capitalize on the Church of the Corn partnership with them by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code CORNCHURCH for 20% off and expedited shipping. So go up there, spoil yourselves, and uh, let them know the boys from Church of the Corn sent you.
0: Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone.
1: What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope?
4: Are you talking about a conclave?
2: dearly beloved, We are gathered here today for this week's edition of
0: Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Conclave.
2: Conclave. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn brought to you by Rocky Stoner Design as well as FCC Trucking. I don't know if I have the authority to give Conrad a raise. But holy cow, was that was that fantastic? <laughs> now I'm glad you guys like it. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Sorry, Zach just uh, screwed up his workstation. <laughs> He's having some microphone issues, so we'll we'll see how we can get back on track here. But for those of you that uh, aren't quite sure why we're calling this coach's conclave, Drake, yes, explain. The conclave, for those of you who don't know, uh, Zach did not know,
4: no matter how many times we've explained it to him, is the process of selecting a new pope. and That's where we're at with hiring a new Nebraska football coach. We are waiting for the new red smoke. And, uh, hey, hype man, you want to give us your your interesting pick for for the conclave, for our new pope?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with... What would be, a, I think, a step up, because we don't have one right now. I'm going to go with Lance Leipold from Kansas. Um, kind of been the hot man, name that's come up within the last, I don't know, what, 10 days, I think, is he's emerged as one of the leaders in the in the pool. Uh, what he's done at Wisconsin, Whitewater, Buffalo, Kansas. I mean, it, it's impressive to see what he's done. Um, so, w- yeah, what he's done in short term down there. From a a team that is awful, let's let's not sugarcoat it. it is absolutely terrible. Are you to have who them are you 3-0. talking about? Nebraska Kansas. or Kansas? Okay, good question. At this point, uh, Kansas is is what they are. They're not a football school. Leipold has somewhat gave them relevance this year.
2: Okay, so let's let's say in three weeks they're now three and three, and as the season goes on, at some point in time they're three and four. Four and five. Where are you at with that potential change with him leading things?
3: Honestly, if you can get that team to six and oh or uh, sorry, six and six on the year for Kansas, that's that's huge, especially in year two. In year two, yeah, I mean, I think that's and all they're going to get out of him. When, is year two. When you think but.
4: about, he got hired at Kansas like I don't know, late July or August last year. um I yeah, I've I said last week on the show if. If he gets to three and zero, definitely jumps up my list. But if he wins again today and is four and zero and beats another undefeated team, also a surprise team, jumps up a little bit farther. Which, by the way, the guy at Duke, if he starts off four and zero, I think he starts m- making his name into our
2: list. So, are we just picking coaches that win? I mean, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> I think that, I think it's a solid strategy. It seems like a bold, bold strategy, um, Cotton.
4: No, I think Leipold is is on the list automatically just because of what he's done in the past building up smaller programs. The guy, the guy has shown himself as a builder.
3: That's that's my thing with him is he's a builder. He's he's built at lower, we'll say lesser schools. Like your your Buffalo has has had some coaches roll through there. I mean Turner Gill had success there as well, mm-hmm. but but Leipold is the most recent success there it's it's interesting what they're able to build up there uh wisconsin whitewater i think his playoff record i fits or drake i think when you told me this was 33 and one in the playoffs
4: yeah he won so much at the d3 level i i think his school was the school that they said like hey you can't play in our conference tournament anymore
3: and then and then i think he bumped up he got his his uh his you know jumped to division one and you know he was successful at buffalo and now w- what he's doing at kansas he's a little bit older but if you can get a decade out of him it that's all you that's way more than you can expect I,
4: at this i'd point. settle for five years too that's what that. i'm saying if you can get um, that,
2: yeah drake drake how about you who is your yeah. coach this week
4: yeah first off 402-951-1620 if you want to jump into the conversation please give us a call uh my coach this week is Dan Mullen, I've had some conversations with people on Twitter this week that really like him, and they kind of sold me on him. He's won at the SEC level in a at a school that is not used to winning at Mississippi State. He was sixty nine and forty six. Nice, nice, nice. And then at Florida, he was thirty four and fifteen, bringing his total head coaching record at in the all all of his head coaching record in the SEC to 103 and 61 that that's good for just under a 63 percent winning percentage uh I think Dan Mullen would be a great hire I don't he's definitely not at the top of my list but he has shown the ability to win and you know when you win at a pretty high clip at Mississippi State in the SEC that's another one to really look at
3: do you think with Mullen so since you brought him up uh my boss is actually a Mississippi State alum and he had nothing but good things to say about Mullen and he's had some interactions with him do you feel like Mullen being a, in quotations, quarterback guru gives him more clout to want to bring him in since Nebraska's had some tr- troubles developing at that position?
4: Uh, I'd, I wouldn't place it there. I think, I think where we really need to look is with the head coach, can they build a program like Leipold? I think Mullen has proven that he can – even in the toughest conference can, can show that he can build at least to a sustainable level of success.
3: I think one thing Mullen ran into at Florida and part of the problem that he had was he could coach, but he ran into the buzz, saw that was the donors down at, at Florida. Oh, absolutely. And tried doing things his way and they said, Yeah, that's not how we do it here.
4: Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, you'll be gone, but we'll dive into our our Twitter poll for the week to kind of talk about that. But, no, I think Dan Mullen's a great, you know, 63% winning percentage in uh, in the SEC. That That's a good mark. I think he he values line play, which is where we've really struggled, right? We're weak on the line on both sides of the ball, and I don't ever remember watching a Dan Mullen team where I'm like, man, they're just getting manhandled up front.
2: All right. Two really good solid choices. I'm not opposed to either one of those. Uh, now I'm going to bring the uh, lightning rod into this conversation that is coach Bill O'Brien now my point before I'm rudely interrupted was uh, the I love this fact pick. that no oh, thank you I know we're kind of setting it up there a little bit but um what he did at Penn State and coaching part of it yes but the fact that he took over that program in the turmoil that they were in um following the Joe Paterno situation that's all we're going to say. Well, but what the he Sandusky did situation. is bringing – but being able to kind of rebuild that program, so to speak, and if you just compare the football part of it, he is somebody that could come in and he could create the culture, buzzword there, could set the tone. Um, Drake made a great point this morning about not bringing coaches with him. He is an, he's an, a coordinator, but he has connections. He has resources – um, former NFL, current NFL, former college, current college. I just think he's and he's a winner. He's coached quarterbacks where where he's been successful, play caller. Um, I I think he's he's somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, it, I I I got into probably thirty Twitter debates about Bill O'Brien this
4: week. Uh, Bill O'Brien's definitely not on my on the top of my list. He's not top five, but I think he belongs squarely in that top ten. Of realistic coaches we can hire for all the things you mentioned. Um, one big knock on him that I found on Twitter is somewhere, and I I did a deep dive on the internet this week to figure out where this came from. But there is a, a a rumor, and I have no idea where it came from, that he doesn't like to recruit, and I don't understand how you could say that. His first year at Penn State, his five best players left, all be and many more left too, because. All those players were granted immediate eligibility back in 2013 or 12, whenever it was. He finished with a top 30 class with four years of no bowl games, scholarship limits. They were, they had took away scholarships from him and immediately went eight and four, then seven and five. And then somebody, somebody threw out And this person has also told me numerous times, Bo Pelini should have never been fired, but then they threw out. He lost to Bo twice. You can't use that, that argument when you say Bo should have never been fired. I'm just putting that out there. If Bo should have never been fired, you cannot say, hey, XYZ coach can't get hired at Nebraska because they lost to Bo twice. It doesn't work that way. Second, like Fitz said, he cannot bring a whole staff with him because he's a coordinator. And he has a giant Rolodex from time he spent in the NFL, multiple college stops. And he has shown his ability at multiple college stops as position coaches and as a head coach one time, the ability to recruit. And the other big knock is he wants to get back to the NFL. People, if he wanted to get back to the NFL, he'd be in the NFL right now. He'd be the offensive coordinator at New England instead of Matt Patricia.
2: He could have had the Jaguars. He probably, probably could have been in the running, excuse me, for the Jaguars position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I, I look at him as somebody that comes in. And when I think of him, whether, again, Somebody coaches for another team. We're not going to appreciate him or like him as much, right? Mm-hmm. They're a rival. We we don't want to lose to them. But if you put him in a position that he could lead Nebraska, I'm not opposed to it. He's a professional. He's a guy that you think of football coach when you when you hear mm-hmm. his name. It's synonymous with it. Um, I firmly believe the the other coaches that he could bring in, the the impact that he would have and the focus he would have on the line play, similar to to Dan Mullen there. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah,
3: you know, can I just and and I think I said this on Twitter as well. Bill O'Brien reminds me of flavorless yogurt. Um, There's it's there, but it doesn't do anything for me and I don't quite get it, but it's for some people. I've watched the Alabama offense. Uh, It's been very underwhelming at best, Uh, and that's five star talent all over the place bryce young looks like he's taking a step back this year that's on bill o'brien as the coordinator there or is Al- it too many commercials it's, it's on o'brien okay um and, and then when you've got when you've got now granted the alabama fans always want to get rid of the offensive coordinator coordinator this is part that's of the where deal I was going with this but when you've gotten a lot of people that are just saying Bill O'Brien might go to Nebraska. Go go go! Bye. See you later. Take care. Hey, we'll pack your but bags for you. But they did ya. that
4: with both Lane and Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, but at, it, at Alabama, the OC, they want to get rid of all at the least, time because he's not scoring seventy a game.
3: But they were those coordinators at least were producing on the field. You're not even seeing that out of the out of that O'Brien offense this year. But well, we've O'Brien seen we've seen so much six, last year. I'm just saying this year if we're going if we're going off this year. We've
2: seen, yeah, but first we've seen some all over the place as last part of year. the as part of the Roll Tide Rehabilitation Center for former college coaches. It works. It yeah. works yeah, wonders. The Nick Saban and Center for coaches who can't coach real good. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great, great place to end right there. We do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to. Um, Talk about a little bit about the game last week, Oklahoma. Just kind of get into it a little bit more to line up where we think they were headed uh, during this week's bye week as we look uh, forward to. Carrying a little less hair and a little less ink, too. All right. So we're going to say goodbye to the hype man, Zach. Have a great rest of your day.
3: Have a good show, boys. Have a good wedding,
2: buddy. All right. Congratulations on the wedding. We will be right back on 1620 The Zone with Church of the Corn.
0: You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone.
1: It be nice if we were older? And we would have to wait so long. But it be
2: nice to live together. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Basse, State Farm Insurance on 1620 The Zone. Let's talk about the game, in quotes, that happened last week for Nebraska. As we stand in the bye week, Nebraska is 1-3 and on the season. Not sure of what happened. Um, I think we have a pretty good idea, but this team seems to be on the ropes right now. Not sure the bye week could have come at a better time. Drake, what do you think the uh, team was spending most of their time focusing, concentrating, working on during this this last week's practices. Well, first, I'm i I'm going to give John Bishop a shout out here. Um, he talked
4: about it this week on a show. Yes, we have a bye week, but because we played in week zero, they still only get five practices between Oklahoma and Indiana. So there's still not a whole lot that we can truly fix in this, in what's going on in Nebraska. But, <clears throat> excuse me, you heard Mickey say it. We got to, during the bye week, we're going to get away from team stuff and it's all going to be drills, individual drills, small group drills, 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 drills. So if I had to uh, guess where we are really focusing on, you have your line going head to head, man to man, cracking skulls. And then you have linebackers or running backs going one-on-one, meeting in holes, working on tackling. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we were doing angles with secondary, working on angles coming down to into the run game, angles chasing guys. Uh, there's just a lot of individual drills that this team needs to to focus on because there there's talent there. There really is. I firmly believe on at least on defense and offense is very apparent. I feel like there is far more talent on this team defensively than there was last year. You're just missing you know, a
2: combined 24 years of college experience from those six guys who left. Yeah. And that's and, and we look at that and there's there's so much so many avenues to to take when you talk about those uh, six year seniors that are no longer here. That's a big part of it. Something that when you talked about the the fundamentals and Coach Joseph mentioned it, what I kept going back to was over the last four years, how often Coach Frost, um, you'd even hear it from Chinander, you'd hear it from guys that are currently on the staff as well. Um Best week, couple practice. of them. Well, not the best week of practice, but when when we look at the situation of not being able to finish the game, right, or if something goes wrong, they would talk about getting back to the training, right? Getting back to the training. Now I'm starting to question what was that training? If we're seeing the individual skills at a such a reduced ability right now and recognizing that they have to get back to those fundamentals, they have to get back to the details, the technique of certain things, wrapping up, angles of pursuit, you mentioned, gap integrity, all those little things that when you talk about one position, there are, you know, you describe what does that one position have to do, first and foremost, in every single play, you list the two or three things, the players aren't doing those two or three things, and that solely falls back on the shoulders of the coaching staff. And whether they're here or not anymore, those coaches have to get or responsible then. They are responsible now to be able to get those players to, without hesitation, without thinking, just pure understanding.
4: Yeah, and I mean, how many, how many times have I said it this season? I'm, I'm just using this to make a point. 47 is the answer. I don't care. Like, I can live with one or two broken plays a game as long as we're being aggressive and we're not seeing the aggressiveness. I mean, I go back to the Dylan Gabriel 61 yard touchdown run, and several guys gave up on that play. And and they're within a vicinity to tackle him at like the 15 to 20 yard line. They thought he went out of bounds and they gave up, didn't wait for a whistle. And that's just not acceptable at, at any level of football, let alone Nebraska, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised. I think this this week they should have been doing a lot of offense versus defense one-on-one at skill positions and with some sort of competition in mind. And in sports, the best way to get guys to go hard is to threaten them with conditioning, right? So... You're going one on one with jump balls, with corners and safeties, things like that. Uh, one on one jump, uh, tackling drills, things, just small things like that. But as we're kind of talking about things that we're curious about with the last staff versus where we're at today, I can't remember which interview we did on the podcast. It was a great interview. I it might it might have been Chancellor Brewington, but they talked about how the new offensive staff when you make a mistake in prog- practice it is no longer hey we're just going to it's all about reps we're going to the film room to watch this and talk about it they
2: are immediately coaching you right then and there and yeah.
4: that's how it needs to be done we talked about it with Brent that Venables was, last week and that
2: was that was multiple that was multiple players as a matter of fact it wasn't and that's that get, kind of gets back to this whole the the period the periodization of practice and what what Frost and the staff were doing because very early on it was go 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 Right. Let's get through as much as we can and put so much in. But you've got to get to a point where the right hand and the left hand are working together. The In a bigger picture, we need to make sure that the defensive line and the linebackers are working together. Um, just a, a quick question, and it, it connects to the Gabriel run. It connects to a lot of what Oklahoma is doing. And I would even say getting from the – Play completion, the offensive line getting down and set, ready to go. They were snapping the ball with nineteen twenty seconds. Were you surprised, amazed, or not at how much faster Oklahoma looked compared to Nebraska?
4: Um, yeah, ju- they they were just ready to go every time. I mean, we've talked about it with several games this year where the offense or the our defense is still calling out adjustments at the line when the ball snapped. And that's just a sign to me, not only that things are too complicated, but there's just too much going on. And without all the experience that those six guys had previously, it can't work like that. So I think Bill Bush is really going to go back to the basics. He's going to reset that defense. It's still, Unfortunately,
2: you can't entirely change the scheme,
4: but you can change the idea
2: of the scheme. ball. Yeah. tackle ball mm-hmm. i mean and i think that's part of the scheme i think they have to go a little bit more um man to man on the corners i think we can't sit back in that soft zone that bend no don't break give up the yards but don't give up the points it's not working yeah right? and, We're, and you can't give up that many yards and not expect that part of 574 yards against you might be a 61 yard leaked run right yeah you just you can't do that so
4: and somebody pointed it out on Twitter this week, and I'm so glad because I, I, I'm I, really bad at going back and, and pulling up pictures of the game. I, I'll go back and rewatch the game. But every play, our linebackers are about eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Our defensive ends are between one and four yards outside the tackles. Our tackles are outside the guards. So it's pretty easy to run it up the middle when everything's spread out like that. But then our corners, they're eight yards off the receiver. Our safeties are 20 yards back. If a safety has to come up and run fit on that, that's a long run. That guy's already got five yards. And when your linebackers are eight yards back and everything's so spread, so the offensive line doesn't have to do a quick double, right? There's no quick double with a chip. It's just, hey, you let you let his momentum keep him out. We're going to go right up the middle, the center, and one of the guards is going to get to the next level. I don't know what, what they expected in terms of how are we going to stop anything. And when you give up multiple 10, 15-yard runs, then you get beat on play action. We just set our our defense was set up for failure, in, in my opinion.
2: Well, hopefully with with Bill Bush coming in, and as you said, just kind of getting back to basics, uh, they've got a few more practices this week as we as we lead up to uh, Indiana next week. A good get-right game. Yeah, get-right game. All right, we're going to take our next break. When we return to Church of the Corn Radio, we're going to talk about Trev Albert's uh, tenure is AD so far down in Lincoln.
3: What's going on, everybody? Zach here again for our newest sponsor, uh, Prize Picks. It's a pretty sweet, not betting software for your phone, but it's a, a pretty cool way to bet overs and unders on NFL, pretty much any other sport, NBA, but you're not betting on the point spreads. You're betting on how the athletes do. So right now there's a special, uh, Tom Brady 0.5 passing yards. Uh, that's his total. So if you bet right now, if he gets over half a yard, you win, um, be sure to go to prize picks, download the app and use our promo code corn church, um, for a, I believe it's they'll match your uh deposit up to $100. So, you get 100 free dollars for if you deposit 100, you get 100, 25, 25, 50, 50, so on and so forth. Um it's a badass app. I've used it a couple times. I've made some money on it. So, I think you guys would really enjoy it. It's another alter- alternative way to get some football betting in this season. So, check them out Prize Picks. Uh don't forget our promo code CornChurch. I'll let them know the boys of the corn, boys from Church of the Corn sent you. Thanks. Have a good one, boys.
0: It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on sixteen twenty the zone.
2: Welcome back to Church of the Corn Radio Show brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and FCC Trucking. It's time to talk Trev. All right, so Trev Alberts, AD in Lincoln, uh, he and uh, his associates, Ted Carter, Ronnie Green, uh, talked about upcoming stadium renovation project. They talked about a... um, really close to finalizing a 300 million dollar uh, multimedia or multimedia rights deal correct mm-hmm. um, but let's break let's look at it as we as we talk about uh, the stadium first they also said that beer sales will be allowed at Pinnacle Bank
4: and I th- did they also say Haymarket
2: and the Haymarket park's a little bit different they're still working that out I believe okay um, but the big the big part that that stood out to me when they when they talked about the renovation, uh, you, had, you had the quote from Ted Carter, and of course he went military with it, that they are essentially going to be fixing the plane while flying the plane, meaning that some of the renovations for the stadium will be occurring in season. Um, some people might be displaced a little bit, but Trev also recognized that the uh, grandfather deal that Bill Byrne put in motion uh, during his tenure is unique does not exist pretty much anywhere else in the country and is looking to be changed to create a little bit more equity and not have every seat connected to a donation. What do you think about the timing, the plan, and what do you want to see uh, as far as Memorial Stadium renovations, Drake?
4: Well, I'd like to see real seats. Uh, That's one of my biggest problems with Memorial Stadium these days is you're technically in seat 11, but by the start of the third quarter, you're in seat 15. Um, I don't know. It's just a, a little bit different going to Memorial Stadium than, than a lot of other places. And maybe this is just me being an abnormally large human. It's just really, uh really uncomfortable at times. So that's what I'd like to see first. Um, I don't know.
2: Fitz, kind of what do you want to see? well i I agree um getting the seats kind of getting rid of that bench seating it's i and i know it's it's really what they just went away from before, but I'm okay if the stadium gets a little bit smaller um and that which goes to those seats mm-hmm. um gets a little mi- dare i say intimate in a way um it can still be loud i think there's some some things that you can do uh there but what what stands out to me uh, that Trev said he was Shocked with some of the results back from the survey that they put out there, and in the if, if you look at the idea that you're going to be in a customer service business and you want to make it reasonable and and fun and and good for the fans, you know more concessions, easier accessible, more ease, more accessible concessions, you know stuff like that. You know, I just think you've got to you've got to bring it into the 21st century, but they've also acknowledged the fact that they've got a the 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 issue that they're going to have is looking 50 years in ahead because we're this is the hundredth anniversary of the stadium this year. They've got to also plan for that as well. I, I
4: also c- think you got to move the student section, get them out of the corner. I I don't know if there's a better place for a student section than may, maybe you split it into two and you put it behind each goalpost, or you put them at the 50 yard line right behind the opponent's bench somewhere where they can make a difference and hidden away in that corner of the
2: end zone. Well, how about think about, and I know we we've talked about before and, and everybody talks about it. it's still a, it's, it's a cool thing, Wisconsin. Now the knock there is that the fans don't show up till the middle of the third quarter to do jump around at the end of the third quarter. But it's one of those, when you look around that stadium, especially when that's going on, the excitement, the passion, You can't quite tell where the student section begins or where the student section ends. Mm -hmm. But at Nebraska, it's very easy. You can go around, and you can see there's the band. And at some point in time, I don't know when it was, probably sometime in the third quarter, they came back from break last week at Oklahoma, and they were looking down towards the student section in the south end zone. It was seats. It was empty a good, like legitimately, you could you could have drawn square lines there for where the fans were missing. Mm-hmm. And they and it was just so eye opening of how high up they were. Right. Yeah, and, and where the they students, are. Sit-
4: the student section brings the energy. Yes. For the Stadium.
2: Right. Um, let me ask you this, because
4: I don't know that we really want to lose seating. How, how do you feel about taking away some of the sideline and bringing the seats closer to the field? I
2: I wouldn't have a problem with
4: that. I just I just you know it came up this week, um, this, the incident at South Carolina where they had the women on the field celebrating title nine, but those seats were on top of the field. No, like.
2: I don't. I don't want it to be Texas A and do not I don't. I don't want it to be. Um, you know you could you could run down a list where the wall is probably seven yards from the sideline, mm-hmm. but I think the way that Memorial stadium is set up. It is really in the round. And so from the coaching area to where the benches are, there's still another eight, nine, ten yards. Maybe Um, you've got to get a first down to get to the, to get to the seat. So, I think if you brought those up a little bit did some you know sort out sort that out a little bit. I mean that's a lot of content to move yeah, around maintain so all right well do you think Trev's doing a great job so far? I do. I you know he's made
4: some of the toughest decisions in Nebraska athletics history both at UNO and Nebraska so far. Uh he's somebody that I have a lot of faith in to listen to the fans and get things done and hopefully
2: make the right hire on our next football coach. Well, he's got something important coming up. We'll see how that goes for the rest of the season in his coaching search. When we return to Church of the Corn Radio Show on 1620 The Zone, we're going to jump into Drake's Twitter poll he put out this week and try to figure out why women's sports has ruled Huskerland for about the last 20 years. Welcome back to Church of the Corn Radio Show brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's talk about the success of women's sports compared to the men's sports over the last 20 years. Drake, most recently, the 21, 22 Husker women's sports were good. Rather, they were historically good. Um, There's some teams over there, rifle, bowling, diving, gymnastics that are constantly, always high up in their rankings, high up in their, in their sport. But last year, basketball, softball, and volleyball kind of took that to another level. Yep. What?
4: Volleyball's been doing it for a long
2: time. So give us, give us the impetus of the Twitter poll. Let's, let's break this down. Let's see if we can fix this so that when the new coach comes on board, we've already got this plan laid out for him.
4: Yeah. So, um, I was having this conversation with my future father-in-law the other night and, I said I had an opinion on why this is going the way it has for the last 20 years that a lot of people weren't ready to hear. And he asked me to share my thoughts. And, you know, that, that's how we came up with this poll. So the poll is, why are women's sports wildly more successful than the men's sports, especially in the big three uh, the last 20 years? And here were your choices on the poll. Sheer luck in hiring of coaches, less booster involvement or other. The results were 48% less booster involvement, 40% other, and a lot of the responses on other ended up falling into the booster involvement and then 12% and sheer luck in hiring.
2: Okay. So let me ask you about the booster involvement. Yeah. In my mind that leads to, and tell me where kind of you were, you were heading with this, but it kind of leads me to think that the booster involvement means on the men's side, if things aren't going well, for one season, if things aren't going well for half of a season, they're willing to step in, cut the check, and start over again versus on the women's game, right or wrong not the not necessarily what mm-hmm. we're driving it right now, but that's not supporting that's not driving those those sports and so they the willingness to try again, the willingness to extend the opportunity mm-hmm. and give more time right in consideration to build and develop has has been there on the women's side is that kind of where you were headed with that or am I-
4: yeah no no a little bit I, I think that's a big part of it but i think and let me start by saying we love the boosters because they've given nebraska the the fin- financial abilities that the athletic department has you know we have a one billion dollar endowment my point is sometimes when you are are donating that money and right, wrong, or indifferent, the Nebraska Athletic Department has, has caved to the boosters a little bit too much, and Zach brought it up with Florida. All major schools run into this. But Frank Solich's firing was, in my opinion, based off some stories that I've heard and things that I've read, a huge result of a few select boosters who wanted him gone, which leads us into an athletic director that wasn't ready to make a move Having no real plan in place for hiring a replacement, no list of replacements, and we end up with Bill Callahan as a as a fallback. Uh, Sean Icorst, I think he wanted Bo gone. I think a couple of boosters wanted Bo gone too after some of the leaks and things like that, and that's how we end up with Mike Riley. So somewhere in here, and you can go to to baseball. You can go to basketball. Basketball. I don't think the boosters have totally stuck their hands in too much maybe towards the end of the miles tenure but the overall point in this is i feel like as as an athletic department on the men's side we really need to get away from two things the first one is going back to all-time greats just because they played here they played on our college world series team or they were a championship winning quarterback that doesn't mean that they're the right guy for this job and i think we just found that out right so that, that's the first thing. The second thing is boosters, while they make the athletic department run, they're not involved on, a, on the interview process. They're not tied into all that, but their opinions carry so much weight. And when all the boosters are focusing on the big three men's sports, you're going to get what we've had for the last 20 years. Now, on the women's side, there's been a ton of continuity, right? Connie Yori was a coach for a long time. John Cook. Um, well,
2: and let's—that's let, where I wanted to go with this—is so last night, Cook uh, achieved his 800th win at Nebraska. Got a nice belt buckle from mm-hmm. from Trev Alberts, um, and a and a fantastic um, picture on Twitter of John Cook on a horse, yeah, or a steed rather, and his assistant coach horse. So just fantastic use of social media right there. Shout out to them. But Con or uh, um, Amy Williams basketball this year they go they 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 run off 12 wins in a row right um Ronda Ravel for softball they She's had been there forever. 18 18 wins in a row last year for softball constantly starting the fall season yes, off great yes, starting the fall season constantly in the in the hunt for those she had there was there was some some player coach issues um, were resolved stays on because she wanted to be here so my my question is we look at the you talked about continuity stuff like that is it wrong to just say they're really good coaches I mean they are they're getting they're getting out from their players mm-hmm. what they want and more most likely which then leads to and if we look at bat, or, uh, volleyball specifically it leads to better recruits those recruits then recruit and it just and so that snowballs to the fact that where and you talk about Bill Belichick coaching trees. You talk about you the Nick John Saban Cook co- coaching the tree. The John C- Cook coaching tree right now for his former players and former coaches on his staff is incredible. And they're very successful. Mm-hmm. Now, also want to run that back to Terry Pettit, who we were fortunate enough to talk to on the podcast as well. And he's still highly involved in volleyball, working out in, in, in Colorado right now for Northern Colorado, I believe, mm-hmm. working with the team. But he put that in motion and created something that was, the, the baseline was already there.
4: Yeah, so I, my, my overall underlying point to all this is, on the women's side, and part of it is revenue generation, right? Um, that when we are forced to find a new coach for one of our women's teams, there's an actual process that gets to take place. The athletic director gets to go through their process of finding the replacement. Bill Moose hired a few women's coaches that have turned out to be successful, um, specifically on the rifle team is the one that I remember. I think he, I think in his tenure, he hired like 17 new head coaches. It was ridiculous. Like it was crazy. Um, and for the majority of them have been great. The two big ones, football, basketball for men's, haven't been great. And it's because he didn't really... And, you know, you can say what you want about Moose. I, I'm not a Moose guy. But when you allow the athletic department to go through an actual process, which is what Trev was talking about in his press conference, the day that he relieved Scott Frost is we're going to be very thorough to make sure we hire the right guy. It's going to be a full process. And when you allow these athletic departments to go through a full process, I think your hit percentage on a successful coach goes way up. Uh, It's, because you're getting you're getting into the nitty gritty. You get to do all the background checks. You get to, you know, evaluate them through the entirety of their career instead of a one-year 12-0 run at, at UCF or anything like that. So I'm I'm really interested to watch how this happens. Unfortunately, I think we're gonna be going through this with basketball sometime in the next two years as well. And I'm just curious to see what Trev's process for hiring a new coach is. And how quickly that will yield results, but again, if if boosters are saying, "Hey, you have to hire this guy," or we're pulling our money, that that hurts the process and hurts the ability to land that correct coach.
2: I, I wonder if Trev Alberts is the guy that yes, he understands the value of the dollar. He understands how that those boosters help the budget. But we also talked about earlier in the program the money that's going to come in from the new multimedia deal, right? So he has maybe a little bit of room to say I appreciate your appreciate your point and and thanks for your dollars, but this is on me. This is on our search firm that's done it's yeah. proven results, right? We're going to do we're going to do all of these things.
4: My my job security is tied to this yeah. hire. Like I appreciate your input. I'm I'm going to wait it. I'm going to take value in it, but at the end of the day, our process is going to result in the best coach for this situation. So, I I again, I'm I'm so interested to see how it plays out. I think we have to have a real defined process moving forward and hiring coaches. It can't just be shoot from the hip. I mean, yes, Scott Frost and Fred
2: Hoyberg, they were the home run hire that everybody wanted, but I think that's the problem. We have to, and, and and they they those sports um, and let's just stick baseball, uh, basketball and football. You know they have to get back to development it's been transfer portal it's been um, baseball duco players a lot mm-hmm. transfer portal even more um, basketball was I mean you look at the you look at the the similarities there that's that's where we're at so I want to come back we're going to come back to this at some point in time may not be today but I think yeah. I want to watch let's kind of follow track the women's sports here a little bit um, when Drake brought this up, I went out and did a little, tried to do a little bit of research, and I'm going to tweet this out, but I want to direct everyone to a, a fantastic article uh, from KLIN's uh, Caleb Henry uh, in connection with uh, Dave Fight. And there's some really good numbers. Go, talks about the 2013 season, 14, which was historically successful for the women. So I'll, I'll tweet that out, take a look at it. We'll come back and, yeah. and carry this conversation forward, probably on a future podcast as well. So when we come back, we are going to uh, break down. Some of the biggest games of the day and see where we think there could be an upset or two.
0: Now, back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone.
2: Welcome back to Church of the Corn Radio Show on 1620 The Zone, brought to you by Doug, Boss Safe, State Farm Insurance, and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's chat about some of the big games on the schedule for today, shall we, Drake? Let's get after it. All right, so let's start. We'll go in sequential order from 11 to 6. We have at 11 a.m., number 5, Clemson at 20, number 21, Wake Forest. Could there be an upset in Deaconland?
4: I like it. Clemson's offense has not been what they expected. They're very unhappy there. And I believe I saw an article that Sam Hartman's coming back this week for Wake Forest. And if that's true, not only is that just going to be a shot in the arm of energy for that team, that that's your star quarterback who hasn't played yet
2: this year. And we, as we know, uh, it seems to continue, even when, with Venables, but out of Clemson and Oklahoma, the defense is, is driving the car down for Clemson. Um, their offense took a little bit of a turn for the better last week, but – is this something that they can uh, overcome? Can Wake Forest put up enough points to call the upset? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, uh,
4: I definitely like like Wake Forest covering the 7.5-point spread um, at home. Sorry, I was just informed this is Sam Hartman's second week back, okay. so he's not going to have all the cobwebs. Even better. Yeah, even better. I, I like Wake Forest in this game. I really do. Obviously, Clemson's been a great program for, like, the last decade-ish. Um, but Wake Forest is on, on the up and up. Speaking of which, head coach at Wake Forest. Throw him on my list
2: of potential candidates at Nebraska. He's done a great job. Speaking of potential candidates at Nebraska, and this is going to be a running theme throughout the rest of the season at 11 a.m., we have we have number one Nebraska head coach bowl. So there's going to be several of these. And what that means is we have number seven Baylor taking on Iowa State 17. in Ames. Number, what did I say? Seven. It's 17. I, I guess I can't read. Numbers <laughs> are difficult for me. So let's try that again. Number 17, Baylor at Iowa State, taking them on in Ames. So we have Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Dave Aranda for Baylor. Forget the game itself. We're going to be watching the coaches, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this game's interesting. You got Baylor
4: at 2-1, and one, Iowa State 3-0. and oh. Iowa State at home as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Interesting. Two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Dave Aranda does not have a great uh, record on the road so far at Baylor. I think today he, he, uh, he gets one. He snakes one on the road as a dog, which is so weird to say since they're ranked in Iowa State, isn't? But, yeah, I think Baylor snakes one on
2: the road today.
4: And uh, walks out with a W.
2: Well, and that's you know you look at that stuff, and I'm going to be watching the Baylor defense, uh, particularly how they how they handle the run game. Uh, on the other side, watching uh, Coach Campbell's Cyclones, uh, just their consistency, right? Just the how well they're coached, the the professionalism. Are they are they structured? Are they do they? state on something you know now that's it kind of creates you a, know, a fun element to watch these games you know i've been pretty hard on matt campbell in, in the past especially as a potential replacement
4: but he had a post-game press conference i think in 2020 where you know they were having a down season based off expectations and he said when when did i say our goal is to be big 12 champions when did i say our goal was to be in the playoff all our goals are still in front of us our most important goal is for these guys to be better men today than they were yesterday and i think that's interesting and i it as
2: i remember that matt campbell just becomes a little bit higher on my list i i agree um so let's let's just stick in the uh big 10 then um or closer to home i should say at 230 we have minnesota michigan state minnesota is going into michigan state spartan stadium there to see if they can remain undefeated if they remain undefeated, if they knock off Michigan State, should they be ranked? And you know what? I'm gonna give all the credit in the world to Fleck if they do it. What do you think? Should they be ranked?
4: Yeah, I do. If if they get if they get Michigan State, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not a Fleck guy, but they did bring back their offensive coordinator. I, I've been making mention of this all offseason. That offense
2: appears and they should by all means be improved. Awesome. Well, a lot of games to watch. Uh, we'll be following on Twitter, so join in the conversation there. When we return on Church of the Corn on sixteen twenty, the zone, we're going to be joined by On Three's very own Brian Munson to talk recruiting and probably some streaming shows here on Church of the Corn Radio Show sixteen twenty to the zone.
0: You're listening to Church of the Corn on sixteen twenty, the zone.
2: to church of the corn brought to you by summit medical staffing and doug Bossé state farm insurance here on 1620 the zone now we are joined by husker online and on three's very own brian munson to help us get up to date on the world of recruiting brian how are you doing this morning my friend
1: i am doing well gentlemen how are you
2: we are we're doing great we're doing great as always it's a bye week good we cannot yeah, Huskers yeah. can't lose so there's that I know that jokes a running entire <laughs> joke over the last oh gosh but 17 years can we win years. can we get a win we are going to try to we are going to try to get a <laughs> win we're going to try to get a win all right Brian you know where I'm going to head straight off the bat was watching a documentary and was curious and thought you know what I wonder if Brian has seen this have you watched uh, the uh Sound City documentary put together by Dave Grohl uh about the uh production studio music studio in uh, the valley out in California. Come on, come on, come on! I knew, oh, I knew, I knew. I, but I, I was just kind of play I was slow playing it. I was slow playing it. How good is that?
1: It's tremendous. The uh, the soundboard. The uh, <clears throat> my wife's a huge Rick Springfield fan, going back to like General Hospital. Um, <laughs> so the aspect of like Fleetwood Mac rolled into there, and Tom Petty. Um, oh, it's just a tremendous, tremendous documentary. Yeah. yeah. I, one of my, one of my faves for sure is that one. I like the, uh, Foo Fighters back and forth. Um, I actually, I don't know if I told you guys, I was watching, uh, uh the Oasis one supersonic. Fantastic. I don't know. There, there's some people that are just like completely and totally on the fence about Oasis. You're either like really, really, really like them or you really, really, really hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really, really, really like them guy, and uh, that's a that's a really good documentary. If you've not if you've not seen that one, one of the you know I don't watch a lot of concerts, like rewatch concerts like that are put out for for uh, purchase or whatever. But the live at Wembley Stadium by Foo Fighters is definitely one. I purchased that one actually through Amazon. That's a good one, and then uh, I love Pearl Jam Twenty. Program yeah. Twenty, back and back and forth, the uh, Sound City One, uh, those are all documentaries, and, and as well as uh, the Eagles, Hell freezes over. I'll, I'll rewatch all those many, many times.
4: I have no oh, idea what we're talking about, what, gentlemen.
1: There's, there's another one. I like the Go Go's one. The Go Go's one is a really—it's probably predates all you guys in the studio, but there was uh, something to really be said. Not fits. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, there was something really to be said about the Go Go's, Go the Go Go's, though. And when MTV kind of came into everybody's life, and it was just kind of this tremendous marriage of, you know, kind of, you know, getting a chance to to see this all female group just go out there and literally like pass the police, you know, and competing with Stevie Miller band, you know, it was it was really, really a, a it's really a great documentary
4: if you haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to watch
2: those. <laughs> I have no I, idea what we're talking I about. I just keep adding, uh, Brian, every week I keep adding a couple things to my list, so I I, I appreciate it. I know Drake is uh, staring <laughs> daggers into me right now. But I, you know I what? love documentaries. I appreciate I'm, it. The, I got a running list. The The Foo Fighters at Wembley is is fantastic. If, if I can yep. picture Grohl. He's got that his baby blue guitar. Um, it's, uh, it's phenomenal, and I know I mentioned it before, and then I'm going to let Drake jump into the, the real reason we've got you here each week, but the uh, if you haven't listened or saw out and tried to watch some of the um footage in the in the concert that was the um uh Taylor um, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh yeah. um yeah. Foo Fighters Hawkins. concert. Yeah, t- thank Hawkins. good lord. I went blank. Yeah, Hawks Nest there Taylor Hawkins um a few weeks ago. That's like 6 hours long and and they were it was that's, so good. They were there and I tears and joy and i've i've listened i've rewatched it a couple of times i don't know where i find that time but it is so so yeah. good so i'm gonna it, go so ahead
1: one, 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 one last thing and then i know we got a of time today the, <laughs> the, the best documentary i have ever seen hands down that will make you sweat and then put you into tears it's called uh outpost restrepo it's about an afghanistan outpost that was named after a, a guy that got killed that went over there and uh it is um it, it just you know I'm a Nebraska Army National Guard guy as in the infantry and um it'll really kind of paint uh, a picture about how tough that generation is that went over to fight it's you, a tremendous documentary
4: I I have seen that documentary that documentary is great uh the Netflix original movie was pretty good I those are the documentaries I get into a lot or are the military ones. Yep. Uh, Brian coach, Joseph and the staff hit the recruiting trail this week uh, talking to 2023 commits and 24 recruits. But the real question is, is the most important recruiting for this staff to keep this team intact for, for the next, for the next uh, regime, including specifically Jay Allen.
1: I, I think that I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think that you've got some guys that potentially could uh, decide that. Hey, you know what? I'm going to preserve that red shirt year and decide to go ahead and spit things out, kind of like what uh, Chuba Purdy did, had done at Florida State because they intend to transfer. AJ Allen kind of has that natural, you know, uh, thing here now since he's had that broken collarbone and surgery. Um, it, it certainly is something that needs to be mentioned. I mean, I think the interesting part that I think kind of covers Trev and Nebraska in some really interesting ways is that, you know, Mickey Joseph is out there representing Nebraska. In fact, he'll be in New Orleans later on today um, to check out some things. So uh, I, I think what's really interesting about this is that Mickey has kind of this ability to go in there and sell Nebraska as the head coach. And then also based on the the contract details of you know his being upped to head coach for now, he has almost like this guaranteed contract that he would if he wasn't named the head coach you know going forward for the for the twenty twenty three season, um, he would roll
4: back to his old job. I, so I was going to say, does that yeah, does that real, carry weight?
1: It, it does. It's, it absolutely does because look, there has to be fixture there has to be a fixture at nebraska otherwise, right now everything's on sand even if you had standard that might even be an improvement if you had a staff that literally had no ties to next season whatsoever um so i mean it gives you an ability to go talk to malachi coleman it gives you an ability to go talk to an aj allen you know about things where his head's at talking about next season how things are going to play out has an ability to go ahead and go watch Amarian Miller last night tear it up and and then talk to him later on this weekend and talk about how nothing is going to change. I'm still going to be your guy, whether I'm the head coach or I'm the wide receivers coach. I will be there next year. So it's, it's, really, it's really an interesting thing. I've never quite heard of that, but I think now that Nebraska has that fixture and that it is going to be Mickey Joseph in one way or another, um i think that that really helps out it helps out with building the class 2023 and beyond it helps with kind of keeping the team together and i think another thing that was like mickey wanted to get get around to doing in practice he wanted to start seeing some of those those guys that weren't in that one two range on their depth chart i think that number one he wanted to see it because he needed some help on some guys that were going to play ball a little harder than what he was seeing against oklahoma and number two i think it comes down to Hey, if these guys want to start cutting bait and running in November, or telling me that they want to start sitting out now because they're going to preserve a red shirt, so they intend to transfer, I know the ones I've got to go talk to to make to go change their minds, or I got the ones that can go ahead and say that's fine. You're not really going to play a role on this team much beyond November in the first place.
2: That that's really interesting to kind of look at. That is is the the earlier the the players can declare in a way right now for the current staff or the staff that's there. And Joseph stepped up and said, you know what, my expectation for myself, my expectation for the, for the rest of the staff is to do their job like they were going to be here next year, which brings me to the next question. We know Joseph is in one way or the other, like you said, are there any other staff members on, on the, are there any other coaches on the staff that you think should be, be pushed to be retained? Should Do we need to keep them on, whether it's just coaching or, or recruiting?
4: Anybody else we can throw that contract addendum to?
1: <laughs> um, I think that there are some guys that they're going to have a very valid argument or an ability to walk into an interview, you know, once the head coach is named, if it's not Mickey Joseph, and have their head held high and know that they should feel pretty good about staying there. Um, if I had to take a guess, like, who those guys are, there's, there's three of them. Um, I'd say whip. I'm not sure how that kind of works out. I'm not sure if he's kind, of, he's kind of feeling it, not feeling it, doesn't want to start over again. It's really about where he's at kind of in his career. I think that there's also like Bill Bush. Uh, I think Bill Bush is going to be a guy that's going to get looked at as as being, as being changed he's from Nebraska. He's coached at Nebraska before. He was doing a fairly decent job here. He's been elevated to defensive coordinator for the interim to kind of move forward. Um, he's got, uh, he's quite the recruiter, which I think is what we all agree. The next staff has got to be able to do. So he's been able to kind of put some pelts up on the wall, so to speak, when it comes to recruiting this year with Jaden Dawson, he was really disruptive in Kansas city. He's proving to be, you know, disruptive for next year. He had four guys in from Lee summit North last weekend. Um, so I think he's doing a a bang up job, you know, in the areas that he has recruiting, but then the last guy that I think would, would definitely be a guy that you'd keep in mind is brian applewhite and brian applewhite was with coach joseph coach joseph and brian applewhite seem to have a a really good relationship um both offensive staff members kind of have that territory of louisiana where they kind of overlap where it's like alexandria north up to monroe where it's kind of applewhite territory then alexandria south down to the delta down through new orleans where it's making joseph and then you get Applewhite that's got Texas, he's got some Mississippi, he's got some Tennessee, and then Nick, Mickey is kind of doing the wide receiver thing nationally. Um, I, I think that that's really uh, an interesting kind of tandem to put them together. They were both together last night at the Omari and Miller game. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's that's another guy I think that would probably get really serious consideration about, about sticking around Nebraska when he has a chance to re-interview, and I'm holding my air quotes up here for his job.
2: I I like the idea, when, as you were talking, I kind of almost resigned myself to say, you know, uh, if it's not Whipple, that's okay. We're already in the market for a new defensive coordinator. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's probably a little bit easier to keep position coaches on like a Mickey Joseph, because, you know, specifically just wide receivers coach. Let's go with that idea. And then somebody like Applewhite. I'm really, really high on Applewhite. I think he Okay. has come in and done a great job and I think he could be retained if he's retained that could be the connection that maybe keeps A.J. Allen right it keeps some of those other mm-hmm. those backs in the I fold
1: think, I think so I, I think he needs help I, I I think that I think Nebraska has to really reexamine one of the major things in my opinion has kind of got him here and I think that there's Plenty of things to go ahead and point fingers at and find blame with. But I think one of the things that, that I think it's very easy for us to kind of sit back and think about has been, you know, a very Mike Riley kind of Calabrasca thing with Florida, particularly South Florida. And there, there, there was a great big huge hole from that 2020 class. And um, I just don't feel like Nebraska has that ability. I don't think a lot of those kids leave and stay in other in other places, they typically all kind of transfer back home. Um, I, I think that Nebraska has to re examine where they have been successful and then try to try to really kind of make make a nest there, kind of roost in it a little bit. So you're talking like Georgia and you really want to get over to Louisiana where you feel like you've got two guys that can really you know recruit the state really well. But Texas is such a massive state and, and you I mean when you start talking from from Dallas to Houston, and then and then go from the 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 Golden Triangle over you know over in that area of East Texas all the way across to to whether it's Lubbock or down to El Paso, you're going to find dudes everywhere. You're going to find dudes everywhere in this state, and literally you can drive across it and it could take you ten hours. Um, so it's it's just such a massive state. Uh, Applewhite needs help here, and I think Nebraska can be effective still here here in the state of texas and i think that if you if you did a texas across the georgia and then you did kind of a obviously in state in all the neighboring states and then had a presence across the big 10 the big 10 uh region i I think that that would be perfect to kind of set up your recruiting uh program and and what you want and where you want to be effective with with like going and getting players
4: hey brian we're up against it here i just want to ask you one more question uh if it's not Mickey Joseph at the end of the season being retained as head coach, do you have somebody that you would like to throw in the ring for our coaches' conclave?
1: For the head coaching job?
4: Yeah.
1: You know, I, I kind of struggled, and I had this conversation last night with a buddy, and I, I think that <laughs> if you, we were talking about the spectrum of candidates and the spectrum to the left is like T.J. Fleck and the, and the spectrum to the right is Urban Meyer. <laughs> And then everybody else is in the middle, right? And you're really trying to find a guy that I think you know is gonna. You've got hope that can rebuild the program, but that also you, you can get in line with with his views and how he's run things to date. I, I, I like Bill O'Brien. I like Dave Aranda. Um, I, I think that there's there's probably some other guys that are out there. I I, I really kind of I'm get, I'm getting more and more warm to the idea of Matt Rubin. And I think that the Carolina Panthers fans were very uh, uh, very put up with him last week, and they almost wanted to see him fired last week from Carolina. Matt Rule would be a would be a very good pickup for Nebraska, and I think that that would be a good one. But then Aranda I think comes in. Campbell somewhere in there. I'm not going to sit there and tell you guys that I'd be all upset about P.J. Fleck. I don't think that his kind of gimmicks are are going to catch, you know, keep Nebraska fans, you know, very happy with him. But, dude, that guy wins. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. He wins, and he knows how to recruit to the area. And so does Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell does, too. So I think there's four or five guys out there I think that I think that Nebraska fans should be really, really happy with. I don't think that there's anybody out there, though, that has, you can say... You could put a stamp on it. It has much more of a guarantee to rebuild the program successfully than urban Meyer, but it's going to be at what cost. And I'm not talking financial. I'm talking about what else are the things that kind of come along with
2: potential moral fortitude there. There you go. Following that, uh, urban Meyer, uh, coaching tracker is going to be a lot of fun plus all the others. So, uh, speaking of a lot of fun, as always, Brian Munson, we get a little bit of documentary streaming talk, uh, highlighting some great things that we need to catch and then always with your expertise on the recruiting trail so again thank you so much to on threes reporter brian Munson for joining us this weekend we definitely appreciate it brian have yourself a great weekend and uh get to watch some uh, more games today
1: enjoy the bye weekend guys we'll talk
2: next week all right thank you brian all right fans don't go anywhere when we come back to church of the corn on 1620 we're going to do the offering and uh Try and win some money. Try to win some money. Can't wait. We will be back. It's Church
0: of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Once?
2: Welcome back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone, where our church choir is does a fantastic job week in and week out so we're going to make sure we thank them and in order to pay them we're going to go ahead and pass around the offering plate and see if we can uh, fill their coffers and help our fans make some money as well Uh, we do have a special guest picker this week we'll get into that in a minute Drake uh, can you give me two games that you are uber confident you can win the church some money
4: Yes, I'm going to start with number 17, Baylor, at Iowa State. I'm taking Baylor on the money line as a dog. And then in my second one, I'm not. I'm actually not uber confident in. But I am going to take K-State to cover the 13.5-point spread against Oklahoma. I think Adrian
2: Martinez gets cut loose this week and, and gets that offense moving. Interesting, interesting. All right, we're going to go to our our guest. Uh, Pickard this morning Uh, we have two picks coming in from uh, our boss the man from after hours 6 to 8 p.m. on 1620 zone Monday through Friday Jimmy he has Kansas on the money line he's going strong there thinks the uh, Leipold uh, luck continues and then He's also going to take uh, Michigan at minus 17. So two picks from Jimmy. Um, and let's just, let's just be real here. Um, I would go ahead and listen to him. I would go ahead and listen to Drake if you were going to try to fill your pockets so that you could give 10% back to Church of the Corn next week. All right. Zach, any—or Drake, excuse me. Zach's no longer with us. <laughs> he just left today. He just left today. Not dead. Um, just left today. Any other any other picks you want to throw in there?
4: Yeah, I I like USC to cover the spread at Oregon State of six, um, and I'm looking for the other one I was looking looking for. Go ahead, go ahead and give me yours, and I'll, I'll find gonna, this last one. I'm going
2: to take one just because we talked about it before, and I am I am hopeful that it, that it that it happens, and I would take the just the straight out win. But I'm going to I would I would encourage everyone to look at Wake Forest at plus seven and a half. Um, I think that's going to be a, a, a fun game. Yep. I
4: I, I like that one as well. Uh, I'm also going to take Washington State plus six and a half at home against Oregon. Um, I have a personal connection involved in this game. I have a a former classmate of college who's an assistant strength and conditioning coordinator at Washington State. So I'm going to I'm going to ride with Jimmy Bunting
2: and Washington State to cover the spread at Oregon against Oregon. They're at home. I like that. You you've got that right there. There's the the game I want. Tell me tell me what the action is on uh, Minnesota Michigan State. Let me switch over to the Big 10. Give me one second here. Cuz uh, uh it it pays it me
4: plus 3 Michigan State at home. I like I like Minnesota on the money line there.
2: I do too. And that's You got a five-year quarterback. That's kind of where I was going. Uh, Minnesota, as we well know, has a tendency they're going to set the tone. Um They've, they've got two and a half phases of that team rolling right now. Um, special teams is still sometimes a little bit wonky. Um, Here's the
4: funnest bet of the day.
2: Over under, Iowa at Rutgers at 34. At 34. That is uh, the the amount of, of talk and discussion you can get just from the, the, the lines for Iowa uh, on totals right now. Is, is crazy i was an eight point favorite but the line the over under line is 34 are you taking the over or the under uh i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the under i'm gonna take the under i, I think i am too i think you could see let's just you know what do you see two or three safeties um you know a couple field goals it's uh, i was offense at least put the ball in the end zone last week a couple they times. did at, when it ended at like 330 yeah in the morning all right ladies and gentlemen This concludes today's service of Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are looking forward to see what Nebraska can do next week against Indiana. So come back next week, Saturday morning, 8 to 10, as we get ready for Nebraska versus Indiana in a night game in all things Huskers and sports. For Drake, I am Fitz. Have a great weekend.